0: Welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Toronto and today we are joined by a very special guest, one of the most exciting up-and-coming pop stars. She's been making a name for herself with singles like Pink Pony Club, Naked in Manhattan, My Kink is Karma, and the new feminine phenomenon, all co-written and produced by Dan Nigro, who's worked with Olivia Rodrigo, Caroline Polachek, and so many others. She is very cool, and I'm excited to have her here, Chabalrone. Chapel, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. This is so fun.
0: I'm I'm very excited. Big big fan of you <laughs> on the podcast, all of us here. And so you just released a new single. What can you tell us about that? Let's start there.
1: So I just released Feminine Nomenon. It's my third single this year as an independent artist. We kept on the pop trend. I really wanted to mm-hmm. like release a big like summer song, like Bon, queer, Anthem. Per usual <laughs> and uh it's i think maybe my favorite song i've done wow we wrote it in probably like like last november or october so it's been in the works for quite a long time but so excited that she's here
0: awesome yeah well let's actually hear a little uh of feminine Ominum, which is so much fun to say feminine Ominum. did you hear Maybe let's go back a little bit in terms of you writing songs, right? Like you were just saying, you you know, for this, you wanted to release like this big pop summer song. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about like how you think about the kinds of songs you're releasing, or if you think about that in terms of like style and how you're trying to present yourself as an artist.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's every. I mean, that's like the main thing you think about. I'm, like, very aware of, like, the seasons, how it would feel for, like, a song to come out then, and then, like, I mean, stylistically, my entire brand is based off of aesthetic in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm very specific, very maximalist, very, like, thrift store, DIY, gaudy, like, tacky. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is taken into consideration with, like, absolutely everything I do. Instagram posts, and also, like, TikToks, and my show, and like everything. Yeah. So and that goes along with the the cover art. So I would say like is that what you mean by
0: that? Yeah, no, totally. And I think, you know, it's interesting to think about that then retrospectively to the other songs that you've released like Pink Pony Club coming out mm-hmm. in 2020. Obviously, like no one can plan for what uh <laughs> what the world was like then. But yep. what were you sort of thinking about in terms of like releasing something like that at that time or what were you trying to you know, in that same vein, like, what what are you trying to accomplish?
1: I mean, the whole goal of Pink Pony Club was to, like, it was, like, the beginning of creating a safe, fun world for queer people to feel like they could be whoever they wanted to be. Like, the Pink Pony Club kind of, like, represented my queerness and, like, just me exploring myself as, like, a person that moved to LA because I felt, like, very, I feel like a completely different person since I've moved to Los Angeles than... When I lived like in southern Missouri. I feel like that song like really represented that. And like every song after that is an extension of Pink Pony Club, to be honest. Granted, like we don't have like an album album put together, but like they're all kind of stemming. That's kind of like the mother of like. Right. It was kind of like the seed. And every song is kind of woven into
0: that. Yeah, well, I think it's so interesting because the song is so it's so unlike other pop songs that came out around that time or even now, right? It has this very lush slow piano intro like a sort of Tin Pan Alley song. I know you wanted me to stay. I think that your approach to vocals and your vocal range is very like interesting and different. And so I wonder if there are certain things, you know, growing up in Missouri or just in your past, like that you draw inspiration from for that sort of aesthetic.
1: I think of my hometown as like very camp at this point. I used to like very much like reject like the hick trailer trash, like vibe of where I came from, which is like, by the way, a very valuable aesthetic in my eyes. It's not at all like making fun of it. I Mm -hmm. love it. And I feel like I use that aesthetic of like strange, not clean, I don't mean like dirty, like as I'm physically dirty, but like raunchy. We're not trying to be this like pristine, very like high fashion or like whatever you want to call it. Um, Slick is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I use that whole like part of my hometown. It's not slick it's not perfect. It's not like Beverly Hills. And I like to use that in like themes in my music. I like to use that in references of like how kind of raunchy I get in my lyrics. And I feel like that whole aspect of that part of my life where it's like coming from Missouri, literally living in a trailer park. I, I like accepted that part of myself, I think this year. And like with these releases, and like, oh, this is very much part of myself. It should be part of my music too. Yeah.
0: What kind of music were you listening to when you were still in Missouri? Because I grew up on Christian
1: rock and country, pretty much like old country, I never really got to experience hip hop and rap. And I remember like getting an iPod Touch and downloading Pandora and like literally secretly listening to Drake. And it really changed the way I looked at music. Not everyone, but like it was. In church it's just like oh that rap music, you know, la la la. And it was like I was just like more intrigued. Basically anything that was like dangerous or unwanted or just like discarded is what I would go for. I would like want mm-hmm. to explore. And so like in music it was hip hop, and I became like really into like learning hip hop history and like going back to like late 80s and understanding like how hip hop worked. And then it kind of like went into like pop after that.
0: Yeah. When you were starting to write songs, is that what you were listening to?
1: The song that made me want to write songs was Stay by Rihanna and Mickey Echo. Not really sure how to feel about it. Something in- I remember being like, oh, this is the type of song you wanna write. And so I just like tried to replicate that for like years. And then my attempts at replicating it, it just became like a little EP and that's what got me signed. But I was listening to like that and like Lord and Ellie Golding, that like kind of like electronic pop is really what yeah. I love. But what I was really attracted to was the darkness of it all. Just like a very moody like That whole, like, Tumblr era was really, it was, like, the Sky Ferreira, and, like, and so I kind of, like, attached to that, and then last year to this year is when I, like, got out of that, and was, like, oh, it's fun to, like, be psychotic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, so, so nowadays, right, like, now that you are releasing music as an artist, as you're, you know, experiencing life in a different city in a whole different world like what do you listen for when you're listening to music that makes you really love it
1: if it makes me feel if it gives me butterflies yeah that's like everything in my artist career that's the only way i know something is good is if, if it gives you butterflies you know it sounds like so simple but that's it it doesn't have to be well written for me to think it's great it doesn't even have to be like well produced or anything I think, like, the intention behind music, it's the same with, like, fashion to me. It's like, you don't, I think we've seen it with TikTok, like, people are dressing fucking psychotic on TikTok, and it doesn't even matter that it's ugly because it's the intention behind the outfit. Yeah. It's the same with music. It doesn't matter if it's bad. Like, this is what they're trying to say, and if it gives me butterflies, I'm like, I love
0: it. Right. Like, you know the girl on TikTok who does the crazy outfits, and she's got, like, the keyboards b- yeah, behind mm-hmm. her? I love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. Like, it's literally cool. I I think it's cooler to look like a mess than like anything Mm -hmm. sleek. I like run away from chic. I just think it's like not as fun, honestly.
0: So when you're approaching songwriting either, you know, on your own or with a collaborator, is that what you're trying? Like, is is that the goalpost, right? You're trying to create something that's going to give you and then hopefully the listener butterflies.
1: Yeah. I'm just trying to make something I'm proud of. Yeah. Like nothing I put out at this point is going to, I'm never going to think it's not great. I don't even care how delusional this sounds. And I kind of think you have to be on this level to keep going. But like, there is no one in this world that can tell me my music is bad. I don't believe them. And like, it's not, I don't care if it is, it's not.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's like, you can't tell me that. It's impossible. I will never believe it. And I think that's like the delusion you have to be on to keep going. Yeah. It's like, honestly, nice to be that delusional about your art because then it's just like, well, then you can make anything. You just have to be really careful about, like, not losing your taste. I think that's the...
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting point. Like, do you make a concerted effort to really be always listening to new things, finding new things for yourself as a as a listener in order to, you know, keep your songwriting up?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always... I'm, like, constantly taking in new content. I go through phases of, like, even listening to music or not. Like, I'm not always listening to music. For the past, probably six weeks, I've only been listening to the same playlist of Animal Crossing music with Soft Rain in the background. Like, that is amazing to me. Like, I don't want to try to analyze anything else. Like, that's my phase right now is literally video game music. And that's just as, like, helpful to me as listening to, like, Kate Bush. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also wanted to talk about your live performances. Uh, You're going on tour this fall with Fletcher and doing some of your own headlining shows, which is still fairly new for you. And I know you were talking earlier about being, you know, so confident in your music and in your aesthetic. And so I'm just curious to know, you know, like, what are you trying to bring to this live show? Uh, How are you approaching it with that same sort of confidence?
1: So, the way that the confidence of how I feel about my music translates into my live shows is seamless.
0: <laughs>
1: I sound like such a dick, but it's like I don't.
0: No, embrace it. Yeah. The
1: way that I look at my projects, like I'm Kaylee, right? Like my name's Kaylee Rose. I see Chapel as like a brand and like a product and not a, like a gross way. But in, like, she is, like, kind of a separate entity of myself, and so I kind of feel like I can talk about her as, like, she's badass, she's a great singer, she can perform well. As Kaylee, I wouldn't be, like, I just wouldn't say that stuff about myself. Not because I don't feel it, it's just, like, it's not necessary, but I feel like as Chapel as a character, she is this kind of, like, delusional thrift store pop star that just, like is from Missouri and somehow got to open for Olivia Rodrigo. You know, how it translates in the shows is like, she's, I guess I am like psychotic on stage, like super camp, like really interactive with the crowd. I want the shows to feel like a party. You should show up. Like people, to my live show in LA last year, people came out like assless chaps, glitter, drag, made outfits. Like everyone was dressed up. And like, that's what it should feel like. You should feel like you're walking into a different world. And like, even though with the Olivia show obviously it was her show, but like I did the best I could with like dressing my band up and like doing makeup and everyone had like glitter and all of it was custom. Like I sewed my outfit. I designed the band. I want it to feel like a very specific world that you're walking into. And I think it's the exact same with the music. It's the exact same with the content. The whole visual aspect of it, you
0: know? No, I think that's so good. I'm excited to go see you and get dressed up. Uh, <laughs> so with all of that in mind, Chapel, what is the song that makes you scream, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life?
1: I think, I mean, for the past couple of years, that song has been The Book of Love by The Magnetic Fields.
0: The book of love is long and boring. And written very long ago. It's,
1: it's crazy because it's like not, it's it's so slow and sad, mm. but it's just like melancholy and it's not really what I dance to at all, but I remember like I worked at a donut shop for most of last year and I would just listen to it every day and cry in my car after work. Yeah. And his voice is just so nonchalant and like the, the guitar is completely out of tune the entire song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just was like, that is what I'm talking about. The intention behind the song rather than the thickness of it, Yeah, the deeper meaning behind the surface level. And I always felt like that song is like one of the best love songs ever because it's like, I think he has a line in this it. It's like, the book of love is full of something. Some of it is just really dumb. And it's like, it's so true. Like. Some of it is incredible, and some of it is just really dumb. And like that's literally what love is, and it's just beautiful. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I I think this is such a great pick. And to your, to your point about the guitar, I was listening to it again a, a bunch in preparation for this. It almost sounds like it's like an electric guitar, like a semi hollow guitar that's not plugged in. It's mic Yeah. So like it, it's it doesn't. I don't think it's going through an amp or anything. It's just like micing the electric guitar. Yeah. Um, so it has this really like thin quality to it and then the yeah. like you said his vocals I, I think are so beautiful on this and and the sentiment too right like you're talking about that lyric I find it so powerful because it's t- in my interpretation of it at least right it's like listing these things about in quotes you know the book of love right like the sort of um, academic promise of love or like what you see in movies or songs or whatever and talking about how like yeah some of that makes sense some of it doesn't but when it's with you, Right in the, the refrains, right? It's like, but you like I want you to sing those songs to me that are dumb. Right. And like when it's with the right person, like it doesn't matter. All the all the other stuff is theoretical until it's with that person. And I think that's so beautiful. Also the opposite end of the spectrum aesthetically, the first time I heard the song actually was the Peter Gabriel cover, which I don't know if you've heard. No. So he did this album of of covers of all these really cool songs. This being one, it's Peter Gabriel, whose voice is so beautiful and amazing, but it's him in an orchestra. So it's all strings. It's just really lush. It's like the complete opposite aesthetically, um, but it's really beautiful. I think both versions because of the, like what you were talking about it's the intention both versions work just as well at making me cry because it's the sentiment is the same even if it's like a completely different context musically uh production wise you know mm-hmm. totally yeah do you have any sort of like memory of hearing this for the first time where, where did the song come into your life
1: i think i heard it on like uh, i was listening to the velvet underground like radio on spotify and i think it came up. And I just, like, lost my mind. I was just like, this is insane. Because I would listen to, after working at the donut shop, I would listen to The Book of Love and then Pale Blue Eyes, just, like, on repeat, back and forth. That's kind of, like, the vibe of music I listen to, if I'm not listening to, like, Gaga, (laughs) honestly. But, yeah, it just really hit me. And I always strive to, like, write a song like that, where it's just, like, simple lyrics. No one has to think that hard. To understand that song right. i think that's like something really amazing about writing it's really it's the hardest thing to do to make a really intricate concept into the simplest words it's just like that is the hardest thing to do
0: yeah well before we go i wanted to see if you had anything else to say about your new single feminine omenon which is out now
1: i'm just excited like i i never dreamed of i'm just kidding i did dream of really <laughs> something like this I never thought I would be confident enough to release it mm-hmm. I knew it was in me but I just I'm so proud of my co-writer Dan Nigro and I who also he also produced it I'm just proud of us and I'm proud of me for having the balls to do it to put it out it's not an easy song it's like really different and and it's saying a lot and I'm just like grateful that people are so like accepting and excited for my project and like want to listen and are supportive like it's just it's incredible it's a dream come true and i'm super excited to perform it at my headline shows and on the fletcher tour
0: yeah well thank you genuinely thank you so much we're really excited to talk to you and excited about all of the music that you're going to be releasing and i feel like we're we're getting in on the ground floor here so it's uh, (laughs) it's uh it's been great if if people want to find more about you or your music online where should they go
1: everything's under at chapel room i have a twitter i don't tweet i don't know how but (laughs) (laughs) so like like, go on instagram i'm most active on instagram but i'm you know i'm on twitter
0: yeah great well thank you so much and uh, we look forward to talking to you again sometime
1: thank you so much for having me
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Leave us a rating, review, share the show with a friend, a lover, an enemy. You can find us on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter at GreatSongPod. That's G-R number 8, SongPod. And a special shout out to Skylar Spence, whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, Catherine and Izzy for co-producing the show, and to you for taking a listen look forward to talking to you next time